July 1st, Acts chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. After saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we, Luke, Paul, and their companions, sailed straight to the island of Kos. The next day, we reached Rhodes, and then went to Patara. There we boarded a ship sailing for the Syrian province of Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passed it on our left, and landed at the harbor of Tyre in Syria, where the ship was to unload. We went ashore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. These disciples prophesied to the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. When we returned to the ship at the end of the week, the entire congregation, including wives and children, came down to the shore with us. There we knelt, prayed, and said our farewells. Then we went aboard, and they returned home. The next stop after leaving Tyre was Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters, but stayed only one day. Then we went on to Caesarea, and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters, who had the gift of prophecy. During our stay of several days, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. When he visited us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, The Holy Spirit declares, So shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Romans. When we heard this, we who were traveling with him, as well as the local believers, begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, Why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but also to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, The will of the Lord be done. Shortly afterward, we packed our things and left for Jerusalem. Some believers from Caesarea accompanied us, and they took us to the home of Nazan, a man originally from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. All the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us cordially. Today we're reading from Psalm 149, verses 1 through 9. God's people should be a singing people. You are reminded again that praise pleases God and beautifies God's people. God's Word is your sword, and it should be on your lips as well as in your hand. Praise is a wonderful weapon for defeating the enemy. They despised his name and they didn't even know it. You and I do the same. Whenever anything fills our mind more than God. It's all about him. It's all about him. Because you see, the problem today in, in America and in our churches is not a lack of zeal for missions. The problem is much greater. A lack of zeal for God and for the glory of God. If you are zealous for the things of God, if you realize what has been done, the purchase that's been made for you, 
in order to save you from your sin and the wrath of God. If you realize the greatness of the one who sits upon the throne who created the earth and one day will bring it to an end. If you realize that absolutely everything in this temporal sphere is dust and rot. Then you will begin to have a zeal for God. And when you have a zeal for God, you'll have a zeal for missions. I don't need to be a prophet or the son of a prophet to know what your God is. I only have to watch your life. When Jesus Christ is just something you do at the beginning of the week, but yet throughout your life you're a practical atheist, I know who your God is. And it is not the one who is the one true God. When you have just enough Christianity to make you moral and comfortable in the South, I know who your God is. If I could look into your mind and see what occupies your mind, I will know what your God is. Everything you have, even if you are here today and you are the vilest and most wicked God-hating man on the planet, if there is any good whatsoever in your life, it comes from the very one you hate. All the things that mean so much to you, Only tell everyone one thing, O oh, you priests who have been called to know him, how you despise his name. I'm not saying this to hurt you. I'm saying it because it's true. Were you as excited about this missions conference as you were their football game yesterday? We would never say the Lord's not number one. We would never say that this or that is more important than God. We would never say that. He says you say it, not with your mouth, but with your life. What does he demand from us? Everything. I know about these silly little evangelists that say, give me your hand and give Jesus your heart. I know about these silly little preachers that say, come forward and pray this prayer. It only take five minutes. They're lying to you. This is what it'll cost you. Your life. Your life. Jesus promises you two things. A cross to die on and eternal life. He's everything. He's everything. Or he's nothing. The saddest place on the earth is the biblical south where everyone has just enough the religion to send them straight to hell to soothe their religious conscience and not know that they're despising the Lord and that they have so many idols in their life that the Lord is not even first or second or third or fourth it is not giving unto the Lord Everything, everything, what would you have me to do, O Lord? Teach me your ways, O Lord. Who do I have in heaven but thee? Who do I have on earth but thee? What am I but a speck of dust, breathing holy breath, if indeed you have converted me? So difficult is our salvation that only God can make it possible.
Do you think he's a flu shot? I could talk to most Southern Baptists and talk to them about salvation. They'd say, don't worry about me. I done did that. You done did what? Well, I took care of that a long time ago. If you're not taking care of it today, you didn't take care of it a long time ago. The evidence that you repented unto salvation one time ago, a long time ago, is you are still repenting today and growing in repentance. The evidence that you truly believed unto salvation many years ago is that you're still believing today and even more. And the evidence that He changed your life is that He's still doing it. If He's not still doing it, He didn't do it to start off with. As a matter of fact, realize this. Satan and the angels fell and God sent them no Savior and they will go to hell. Our father Adam fell and I want you to know if God had never sent us a Savior and allowed the whole human race to go straight to hell he would still be just and still be glorious and still be loving. Deal with the fact that you are being confronted with a gospel that demands everything from you that you're being confronted with who God is. He doesn't share. He takes everything. But if your heart has truly been regenerate and you're just not a lost carnal church member, if your heart has truly been regenerate, you'll say, Amen. Let Him take it all. He's worthy. worthy. Christian, a true one, never has a problem with this. To God alone be the glory. Since there's no longer the power of the Holy Spirit in our ministries, in our churches, and in our missionary activity, we have to do all sorts of professional things to keep a dead corpse moving. It is better to be a secularist. It is better to be an atheist. To claim nothing of God and from God than to claim God and enter into that claim half-heartedly. I were that you were cold or you were hot. But because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Most people are alive only because air is free. They do nothing with their lives. And you say, well, I've done much. But the much that you've done, how much of it is eternal? How much of it will burn up in the fire? But when we talk about the advancement of God's kingdom, first of all here in Knoxville, don't even think about going on a mission trip or anything else unless you are going to serve God here. There's only two ministries in missions. You're either called to go down into the well or you're called to hold the rope for those who go down. Either way, there should be scars on your hands. You either go as a missionary for the glory of God and for the great privilege He's granted you. You go and die on the mission field or you die here holding the rope for those who have gone down. Where are your scars? What does it cost you to be a Christian? What does it cost you to be a member of this church? What has global missions cost you? Answer for me those three questions right now. Don't leave. How much has being a Christian cost you? How many opportunities in this world have you lost because of your identification with the name of Christ? How much time 
energy, resources has it cost you to be a member of this church? And finally, how much has world missions cost you? And say, Brother Paul, but I've never been able to offer just out of a pure heart. I've always battled with sin. I've always struggled. I want to be more. Even this morning when I was worshiping, I was struggling with thoughts that, that were deviant, that were not about God, and it was so difficult to worship. Do you mean God does not receive anything from me? From you, He receives much. Because by your own word, you're acknowledging, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. With those types of words and with the breaking of your heart, you're showing that you truly belong to Him, that you want to be more for Him. But those of you who sat out there cold as a stone and had no problem with it, you're the ones that should be afraid. Psalm 149, verses 1 through 9. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing His praises in the assembly of the faithful. O Israel, rejoice in your Maker. O people of Jerusalem, exult in your King. Praise His name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in His people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the faithful rejoice in this honor. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let the praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains, to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glory of His faithful ones. Praise the Lord! Proverbs 18, verse 8. What dainty morsels rumors are, but they sink deep into one's heart. 